After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. There was a time when I worked full-time in nonprofit that I was just struggling to make my team work. I wasn't like the leader of the entire organization, but I was, you know, a leader in the middle of the organization. And so I had teams that I was working on growing. It was very volunteer-based. And I just remember being at a point where it was like, I'm just hitting a wall here and I don't know how to get past it. I was very busy running the schedules. I was very busy contacting people, trying to fill slots on schedules. I was very busy trying to keep track of all of the organization details and all that stuff. And uh, it suddenly hit me that if I focused on building the strength of my team by filling in this huge gap of administrative uh, lack, that everything else would kind of start to be able to move. So I created volunteer positions that I could fill with people who were very gifted in administrative ability to contact people and to run schedules and to organize things and to come in and like and and do databasing and like just things like that, because my team was basically mostly made up of like a lot of creative people and artists and stuff. And those don't always mesh very well. There, there are some <laughs> artists that are also like super organized and stuff, but I was like, you know what? I have a very specific need right now, which is administrative need. And I need to figure out how to fill this in within about five weeks of just focusing only on that. The whole thing started working really well. I almost had like, I had all this time on my hands as the leader to figure out, okay, where do we go now as a team? Because I'd hit this wall and we had pushed past it. I had a team of like four or five people that come in during the week to help with the administrative piece of running this team. And that was working so well. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, now what do I do? Well, around here on the podcast, we talk about a thing called the legacy flywheel, which is just this concept where you have these basically like pain points of a nonprofit organization that they can, you know, if if one of these pain points is not working well, it kind of stops up the whole system from doing well. And so with this legacy flywheel, I knew that next on my list, if I was going to be focusing on strength, you know, maybe I need to focus on like metrics next because it's kind of like the next thing in the flywheel. But I recognize that it, you don't necessarily <laughs> just go around the flywheel. You have to pinpoint and focus on What's next? So for me, during that season of life, it was really I had to go back to personal development and looking at myself and saying, "Okay, this thing is working. What what do I need to grow in as a leader? And so we want to have a conversation today about how to use the flywheel in a more effective way. Uh, If you don't know what the flywheel is, we have episodes where we go very in depth on that. And we also do have an ebook 
that you can check out as well to learn a little bit more about the flywheel. But more specifically, we're going to talk about what do you do when the flywheel starts working? Because it does start working and then it's almost like the ground gets like pulled out from under you because all mm -hmm. of the pain and stress you're experiencing lifts and you're like, oh, what do I do? I'm not like I don't feel all the stress all of a sudden. It feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There is a weird amount of um, wrongness that it feels when all the stress suddenly leaves. Uh, to put your story into a little bit more context, you had a team of, what, 125, 150 mm -hmm. people? Um, and you were the only staff member. And you brought in a team of four or five admin. And within five weeks, you essentially didn't have a job anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. everything was running. I remember you'd come home and just be like, I, I don't know what to do now. I went from, like, working overtime and running everywhere and all this um, chaotic feeling of just trying to keep up to suddenly I have hours a day that I can just be reaching out to people and leading. But even then, I wasn't like I didn't need to do that as much. Because right. They because had other the people were doing team. it. <laughs> yeah. So then it became more just what else can I work on? And what I loved about your approach was you didn't just keep going. Well, we have the right people. So now we're going to move on to the next thing. But you recognized I got the right people in place, but if I don't become the leader that these people want to follow and I don't grow as a leader, they're not going to continue to stay on the team. Like, I need to elevate. If I'm going to raise the level of my team as a whole, I have to raise up as a leader. Otherwise, eventually they're going to be like, this guy isn't doing anything or he doesn't know what's next or he doesn't have clear vision or he doesn't know where the team is going or what's going to happen. And there's not really a quicker way to get people to leave then tell them you don't know the next mountain that you're going to tackle. Right. That doesn't mean that you never take a break and celebrate the fact that you've done awesome stuff. Um, but people want to know the direction of the team. So with this, the legacy flywheel or any flywheel, one thing that we see a lot is either the stress goes away and people take it as a moment of, sweet, I don't have to try for a bit. Instead of using the fact that they have momentum They've gotten people on board. They're starting to see good change. And as momentum shifts, more people naturally want to hop on a team that's working. And so rather than stepping back and saying, oh, I just don't have to try anymore, you need to find a way to stay engaged, even though it's not the stress of the situation that's forcing you to stay engaged. Right. It's different. Um, at the same time, you can't just look at the team and say, all right, we have the right people. Now we have to take the right action. Because if you have the right people, they're probably already doing the right action. The next broken spot on your team might not be the next three or four things in the flywheel. It could be something completely different. It could be something on the other side. You, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, we have the right people, but now my metrics are messed up because the metrics I was telling are suddenly not relevant because the team structure changed and now we have to change direction a little bit. And if the metrics are broken, that is now the weak point in the entire flywheel. So the goal is to see what part of the flywheel is broken because that's going to become the new weak spot. As you grow out one area that was broken, there's going to be a different one that basically becomes the bad spot next. <laughs> it just wasn't as bad to cause you as much stress. But if you don't take care of it, it will become that spot that causes you immense stress in the future. Right. And you can use the momentum that you have built up to this point to propel that next problem area forward easier than last time. I think about like uh, <clears throat> the Harlem Globetrotters. 
uh, spinning a basketball on their finger. In the beginning, you know, they're they're putting a lot of focus on a spinning the basketball. Pretty soon, the basketball's just spinning on their finger. But every once in a while, they still got to, like, hit mm-hmm. it a little bit more, like, keep it going. And that's really what the Legacy Flywheel should do, is you get it going. You push on that, real, you know, on those on the, on the one area that's needing it the most, and then you focus on the area that's needing it the most again. But eventually, it starts spinning. You never say, I'm done, but... The effort that it takes to keep it spinning is very different from the effort mm-hmm. that it takes to get it spinning. Yeah. And so it's important to recognize when, okay, we have addressed this issue. I think a thing that happens to a lot of nonprofit leaders is they get in their mind the, that they have like, they find a button that if they push the organization moves forward. Mm-hmm. So they just keep pushing that button. Eventually, they've worn out that button. That button yeah. is like operating as at like peak efficiency. You got like a law of diminishing returns here. They can keep pushing that same button over and over and over again. But like, dude, there's a different button that needs your attention really, really bad. It's that one thing is not your solution for everything. On the flip side of that, you'll have other leaders that'll push the one button and be like, this is what needs to be fixed. And then it gets to a point where it's fixed. And then they say, we already did that. We never need to push that button again. (laughs) Yeah, that's also not true. (laughs) And in every season, there's going to be a different button. But let's say like vision is the one that is completely messed up right now in your organization. Your vision statement doesn't make sense. Every person in your organization has a different idea on what the vision statement means. And every leadership decision is made based on a different interpretation of a different vision statement because no one really knows what's going on. So you have a whole team of people running all of the different directions. And you're like, oh, my gosh, vision is what we need to do now. As you start getting that figured out, you'll probably see some massive momentum starting to take place and start to move forward. A lot of leaders, like Ted said, will either just keep pushing the vision button and pushing the and anytime a new issue comes along, they're like, just vision. Hey, these systems don't work. Like our teams are falling. Vision, vision. And then when but the right people gets... aren't, aren't coming, a vision. Yeah, vision. and we... then all of a sudden you start getting these diminishing returns, and that same leader goes like, "Well, maybe the vision statement needs to be tweaked or changed because it's not working the same as it used to anymore." It's like, no, leave that alone. Don't change it. Fix the other parts. Fix the other problems, and then you can come back to vision. Mm-hmm. But you don't like just keep tweaking it forever. Just like we need to fix the parts that are broken. In a flywheel to make it a circle, we want every part equally strong so it can move as good as possible. If you're constantly pushing vision, 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 eventually it almost creates like a bubble on the edge of the wheel that then like our time go around is kind of like the thump, the thump, the thump. <laughs> and people get tired of it. They're like, this is just annoying to hear about. I don't want to hear about your vision anymore. Um, on the other side of it, we've seen other leaders over the years who will get the vision thing down. And then they're kind of like, all right, next thing, let's get more volunteers in place. Let's get more of the systems working. Let's figure out the right stories. And they'll kind of work through other parts of the flywheel. But the vision kind of gets lost. Like maybe it was working for a season, but as an organization grows, maybe like Mm -hmm. they've had to add in a new program. And the new program doesn't quite fit within how people understand the vision. And so people are like, well, you say the vision is this, but the new direction of this program doesn't actually line up with the vision. And instead of the leader saying, you know what, we need to circle back and address vision again, because people are seeing an inconsistency within our organization. They're like, no, we already talked about vision. That's already figured out. Just get on board and just do the right action I'm telling you to do. At which point people look at that and they're like, but this is broken. 
it's wrong. If everything in your organization on the flywheel is operating at a five, great, because at least it's a circle and you can start to grow it. But if everything except the one thing that you worked on grows, so now everything's operating at a seven, but vision being the first thing that you address is now at a five, yes, in the past season, it was your strong point. Now it has become your weak point. And if you don't see the moment where that transition happens, um, you'll lose people for a completely different reason. It's that they think something has changed and now there's an inconsistency. And they're like, man, this leader is out of touch. They seem to think things are just going great. And we're all down here volunteering or donating or on staff saying, do you see what's going on? Are you right, like, are you connected doubt, doubt with you any of this? Leader, they're like, yeah, are you inept. Like what's going on? It's really dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's that's the funny thing about the fly flywheel. Like when it's run properly, things don't really degrade. It's not like your vision statement gets um, bad. It's just as good as it was before. But the flywheel, things improve. So really what ends up happening is just some things kind of get left in the dust a little bit Mm -hmm. and it's time for them to get some attention rather than like, oh my gosh, like now we're back to the point where our, our, our strength as an organization is, is failing. It's like, no, it's more like it's just not doing as well as the other things are now because you've improved them so well. It's like, you know, polishing different sides of a diamond, right? Like, you're going to polish this one really, really good. And then you're going to all of a sudden realize like, oh, this, this side needs a little bit more. I've never mm-hmm. polished diamonds. I don't know. That's a weird <laughs> metaphor. Polish uh, um, something, the difference between like a hundred grit and 10 grit sandpaper. Like sure. you can get one that's pretty smooth, but then when you move in with the next layer or the next level of fineness and you get it, then suddenly the other side that you thought was really smooth is suddenly very rough and you can start to feel the difference. Good job using a metaphor that you have some experience with instead of me using <laughs> a, jewel, a, a jeweler's experience. I don't even understand. <laughs> Tuning a guitar. Oh, You have yeah. experience with that. You can get the strings sounding better than they were, but then you realize that they're still not quite in tune, and quite you have to there. go back and do it eight more times while your wife watches <laughs> you and goes, just get it. Just get it <laughs> fixed. <laughs> <laughs> that one dang string is just off a little bit. Hey, if we bought me like a $40,000 guitar, I'd never have to... Actually, no, you'd still need to tune it. You'd still need to tune a really, really <laughs> nice guitar. Anyway vision. I'm just kidding. Um, But this is an issue that there really is with nonprofit leaders, um, both at the top of an organization and also within an organization. And maybe even your volunteer leaders that you're looking at saying, we need these things to be happening. Your organization as a whole might have a fairly healthy flywheel. And maybe right now, as a leader, you're focused on your area, really needing like the systems figured out. Things are working, but they're kind of chaotic. No one really knows what's next. We're keeping up. But maybe you're like Ted and you're like, I am a creative and I need an admin team. I don't Mm -hmm. like handling the details, but there are people in the organization who absolutely love this Mm -hmm. and would love to be a part of a creative team. They're just not creative in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's kind of where you're at. At the same time, you can be there and there can be another leader in your organization who everything else is going really well, but what's faltering for them is that they're not getting followers. They're not getting people who have any interest at all in what they're doing. Um, And so they're trying to kind of, you know, start telling the right stories and getting the metrics figured out and communicating that they're trustworthy. But something about those aren't translating into 
followers. Maybe they don't have a way for people to just be updated on what they're doing. Maybe they're not getting people's contact information. Whatever it is, one organization doesn't always have the same issue from the top to the bottom. There might be the big one that the organization is focusing on, but as a leader within the organization, you need to know what that one is and you need to know what your issue is. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things about the legacy flywheels. It works on a macro level, but it also works on a micro level. And it's why it's so important for leaders to learn how to use the flywheel tool, but then also teach it and have their their other leaders in the organization learn it too. Because Mm -hmm. they may not have the pull or the authority to change the overall organization's uh, situation when it comes to uh, finances, but they do have the pull and the leadership within their own teams to address a strength issue mm-hmm. or something, right? So it's very important to allow people to create and educate them and empower them to create pockets of awesomeness inside of the organization. Yeah, but it is about educating and empowering the leaders that you have to be able to figure this out because there's nothing worse than a leader that goes to a different leader, like top of an organization or upper someone going to someone else and saying, I know what your flywheel issue is. It's this. Because chances are what people are seeing externally isn't always what the issue is internally. Yeah, you, the externals are usually the lag indicators. Yep. The internal stuff, those are the lead indicators. And people who are who got boots on the ground are going to have probably a lot better idea of what's causing the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm going to take that back. I think it's a combination. It's 50-50. Yep, it's a combination because you do need outside perspective because you're stuck in the details. Mm-hmm. But you also need that inside perspective because you actually see the details. And it's a conversation going back and forth to actually pinpoint what the real issue is, not just what the... Uh, symptom is, but what's actually like the problem at the root. Yeah. Um, If this is something that you're like, I need to know more about this, or I have a leader within my organization that could use some help with this. um, We do have a ebook that we give out for free as part of our Facebook group. That's called a nonprofit volunteer and donor development. And it is an ebook that goes through every single part of the flywheel and explains how they're interconnected Um, It just gives you some great questions that you can start to figure out what's going on either with your whole organization or with your team, because we recognize that a lot of leadership books are written just for the people at the top of your organization. And if you hand those out to your team members, they might be like, hmm, the only way to get what I want is to leave the organization. And that is not (laughs) always the best option. Um, And so this is written very much for leaders at all levels within your organization. So if you're interested in that. And what was the name of that Facebook group again? Um, nonprofit, Volunteer and Donor Development. And we'll have a link for that down in the show notes mm-hmm. as well. But this um, this concept of knowing what to do when the legacy flywheel is, is working is really important. Mm-hmm. It's not like a the flywheel is, while it's a great tool, it's not a step-by-step tool. It's not like this one, then this one, <laughs> then this one. Right. You jump around and you actually, a lot of times it ends up looking a little bit more like when you're supposed to uh, t- 
tighten lug nuts on a tire. He'd do like a star pattern. Like sometimes it moves around like that. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's really, really crazy. But you have to have the ability to look at the whole thing and say, okay, what's our weak point right now? Yeah. And the great thing from years, decades of leadership together and separately, um, we've been able to, you know, help people find what the issue is right now see what the underlying issue is, and then also frequently forecast what the next issue is going to be, simply because, and you'll see in the ebook, we talk a lot about there's just patterns that we see happen mm-hmm. consistently within all volunteer-based nonprofits. So this is really uh, important. When it comes to using a legacy flywheel as a tool, to, to it's so important to be honest with yourself and, like, check your ego at the door and recognize, like, there are issues that I am ignoring. There are issues that I think we've got it all together. And I like, there are people inside my organization, people outside of my organization that are going to have input that is going to conflict with the way that I see how the organization is doing. And you have to allow the situation to get an honest perspective Mm -hmm. because this is why leaders will just keep pushing on one thing in the flywheel forever for ad nauseum. Um, or they'll jump around all over the place, ignoring the one thing that they should be fixing mm-hmm. um, simply because they're not being honest with themselves and saying, like, this part is not working. Yeah. And part of this is checking your ego at the door, like you said, Um But what I just want to remind you of is you can either check your ego at the door and get your teams figured out, or you can have your teams check your ego when things start to fall apart. And Um, leave. (laughs) And leave, whether it's your teams falling apart or worse, your personal life starting to fall apart because you're constantly chasing after trying to get things to just work enough to get you through another 24 hours. And there Mm -hmm. are too many nonprofit leaders that are living lives that they hate because they've built something that's successful helping people, but they're like, I built my own cage. I mm. built my own prison. I built the thing that's making me miserable. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like Dwight in the office. I'm going to send Osama bin Laden a, a one, piece one piece and an instruction on how to use it. And after 10 years, he will have built <laughs> so a prison <laughs> around himself. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, oh. That's sadly what a lot of Honest. organizational leaders do. They yeah. like they, they construct this thing around themselves over time. Um, and then one day they like put the padlock on and they realize, oh, oh no, I, Dwight just sent me pieces of a prison. I just built it without even thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to see you succeed. We want to see your organization succeed. And it's totally possible to build an organization that does good while building a life that you actually enjoy living. Um, and so understanding the flywheel within your organization is going to be one of the best ways to figure out what it is about your organization that is causing the feeling of perpetual insanity. Hmm. Because sometimes when we're in that, we're like, man, I just feel like it's the same thing week in and week out and I can't get ahead and I can't figure it out. Something is off and it's probably not the thing that you're trying to tackle. Like when Ted was going through trying to figure out his stuff for the longest time, you were like, scheduling scheduling if i can just get this down i'll figure it out and then finally you took a step back and you're like no it's not a scheduling issue it's an admin team issue like mm-hmm. it was still in the same part of the flywheel it was still getting the right people right doing the right actions it was just a different group of right people 
doing a different type of right yeah, action. When I, when I asked myself and got honest about what is right people in this moment, right people isn't more people to put into a schedule, mm-hmm. more people to put into the schedule. Right people is what? Right people is not you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, you had to acknowledge, like, right. I'm good at a lot of stuff, but not this. <laughs> and, like, I could do it, but it took me way more time and it was way more draining for me than somebody else who was actually fulfilled, who mm-hmm. loved doing it, who was great at doing it. And, like, it, it brought them joy at the end of the day to know, like, I built out a schedule and I'm like, I didn't even know these people existed. Yeah, these people yeah. exist all over the place. Stop, mm-hmm. Stop being a martyr and doing the things that you hate doing because you assume everybody else hates doing them. You're robbing somebody who is going to actually enjoy that and get fulfillment from it. If you're an org leader who's working by yourself and you're just waiting for the day that you have the capacity to hire another staff member, like you need to recognize that part of your flywheel that might be missing and broken a little bit could be that right people angle. You are waiting for the resources to come in so that you can hire the right person versus saying the right people are out there. And if I do the work of finding them, and creating volunteer roles and doing it in a way that's manageable, maybe it's the right people that will get you the resources you're looking for. And maybe you'll have the ability to pay that person in the future. In the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes the part of the flywheel that's broken um, or that isn't working quite right for an organization as leaders, it's really easy to say, if this other part gets fixed, then I'll be able to get this other thing. But a lot of times it's figuring out how to fix the flywheel part that part of the flywheel first that's actually going to get you the thing that you're saying if i can get a yeah then i'll get b it's like no fix b it'll probably help you get to a um and we think as leaders that we have the order that needs to get figured out but it's probably in reverse in some capacity if you can figure Mm -hmm. out how to lead a team of five volunteers those five volunteers have way more potential for your organization than hiring one part-time staff person. Um, Not just because of the sheer number of people or the number of hours they might be able to volunteer, but because of the difference that it's going to make in you as a leader to recognize and learn how to divvy up tasks, how to fully train people, and how to lead a team is going to make you much more effective five years from now if you learn how to do it before you're able to hire someone. Right. I mean, think of all the things that you have to do as an organization to build capacity to hold and maintain and get five volunteers to want to show up and be awesome at what they do. You're going to have to improve your ability to tell stories and cast vision. You're going to have to improve your ability to have strength and, uh, you know, have metrics that they can get behind and get excited about. Like the waiting for the resources to kick in is not the best way to run a nonprofit. <laughs> I mean, you resources, have to grow and yeah. then the resources come. You have to build strength and then the resources come. You have to build trust and then the resources come. The resources don't preclude yeah. strength. Although when they do start coming, knowing how to use those resources to snowball and ratchet up the rest of the organization yeah. is extremely important. As but well. you won't know how to do that without having built it without first. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it's super important um, a lot of times, I mean, I can't even tell you how many nonprofit leaders have said, once I have this amount of money, then I can do X, Y, and Z. Um, resources are almost always a leg indicator. Yep. And so if you are waiting for the resources to come before you do anything else. You're going to be waiting forever. It's going to be a long <laughs> road. And we don't want to see that for you. Well, hey, listen, we are so excited about 
your growth as a leader and as a nonprofit organization. We're so excited about what your nonprofits are doing. We want to hear from you. If you've got questions, if you just want to share uh, how excited you are about something that you're doing, but specifically if you're like trying to figure out how can I get this uh, flywheel to work? How can I ratchet up what our nonprofit is able to accomplish? We would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at uh, office at legacybuildersintl.com. Or again, uh, to uh, throw it out there, you can go and find the Facebook group called Nonprofit Volunteer and Donor Development. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 